Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. You are listening to Mystery of Parenthood when you hear that music, so please do slow down and... um, take this time as we begin with a prayer to um, settle yourself in, and uh, we're really excited about our show, but let's begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that grace, grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, Grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, Thaddeus, uh, we got to talk. How are you? (laughs) We're excited we have we have guests today but uh, yeah let's first of all tell our listeners we are live today baby this is live we are radio live, baby. anything could happen As anything, anything could happen, happen. Yeah. including my wife could go into labor right now she's Which not be. she's not as far as i know but it could happen that's awesome it could happen but yes so, we do have a live telephone hookup from across the pond from right? across the pond from from italia we are joined by Sean and Jessica McAfee. Hello, McAfees. Good evening. Howdy. Buonasera. Hi. Buonasera. <laughs> I don't know Thanks what that means. <laughs> I barely can say howdy. <laughs> In Texas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's hey. The requirement it takes to say howdy, though. Right. <laughs> we're we're great to have uh, grateful to have you back on. It's <clears throat> it's been too long. We interviewed you, I think, last year. In the spring, maybe wow, the summer, that long. Uh, about your contribution to that great book, um, Inseparable. Inseparable from Catholic Answers: Five Perspectives on Sex, Life, and Love in Defense of Humanae Vitae. It was kind of around yeah. the occasion of the 50th anniversary of the encyclical, and um, we've, you know, you're, you guys are very busy. The Cashins are very busy, and we haven't been able to get you back on since then. So we're happy to to make it happen. Thank you. Uh, tell yeah, tell the listeners a little bit about here. you guys and what you do, and you have another connection to Red Sea Catholic Radio that I guess we should talk about. Yeah, but a friend of mine. Yeah, Taylor Schroll <laughs> at the uh, Forte Catholic. He made me famous. <laughs> uh, no, I, I co-host. I co-host uh, once a month or once every four cycles, I guess, with a few other co-hosts. Uh, with Taylor, mm-hmm. and we have a hoot. It's nice to uh, not have somebody yelling in my ear. Right. <laughs> um, if the listeners are unfamiliar, Taylor's show is uh, Forte Catholic, and it means it's uh, like loud Catholic, strong Catholic. Right. Um, so he's pretty loud. It's a fun show, though. Um, I love it, and I love him. Um, otherwise, what I do is my bread and butter is writing online and in books mm-hmm. uh, for the National Catholic Register. I also founded EpicPew.com, which is kind of like the Catholic BuzzFeed. We have a lot of interesting and fun articles. For young people that you can read in less than 48 seconds is uh, how I tell my writers to construct their articles. Um, I also write, like I said, a blog at the National Catholic Register. Last week I wrote about how the Church Fathers are definitely, without a doubt, Catholic. There should be no mistake on that. Um, I am the author of now eight books. Um, one that is coming out in November, one that is coming out in the spring, trying to get my ninth contract now. And we just had one, I just had one come out at 20 Answers Conversion with Catholic Answers. 
And uh, like, yeah, like you said, I'm just, I'm productive. I don't know how I find the time. I guess I just, I'm glued to my computer and, and I just do it. Um, but I have a great time doing it. I love talking about the Catholic faith. I love talking about conversion. I love talking about parenthood and anything anybody's really having trouble with or that I just kind of want to gripe about. <laughs> and and uh, and my wife is Jessica. She's sitting here. I'll let her explain what she does. Well, currently I'm a stay-at-home mom. And back in the States, I am a fertility care practitioner. So I do what I can with that over here. But unfortunately, the, the SOFA laws here prevent me from being able to practice so instead, I just mm. talk about it as much as I can. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm passionate about. And uh, SOFA is not like the couch and lazy boy laws. It's the status of forces agreement laws that prevent uh, some occupations from continuously being overseas. So that's what that means. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. <clears throat> that's because y'all are, um, well, Sean, you're a, def- a Department of Defense employee, correct? That's your, that's your that's other. Right. Yeah. And so we are, there's, there's laws in place that prevent um, some Americans from having some occupations overseas. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So it sounds like, um, so it, it sounds like maybe Jessica is uh, taking up a lot of the slack at home, making it possible <laughs> for you to do all this writing and blogging. Is that, is that fair to say? That's not fair to say. That is absolutely and critically true to say. (laughs) (laughs) To say every single day. Yes, that's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. I uh, I come home and I hit the books and I and I and I hit the blog and um, and I try to make an impact. But I, I bet I fail miserably. But tell tell us about um, tell us about those children. We ha- we are we are delighted to have one of your children with us uh, for this phone call, right? Yes, we have our one year old Alette with us right now. So if you hear uh, her babbling, she has just found her voice. So she right. does talk quite a bit right now. Fantastic. And we have a three year old uh, Dominic. We have a five-year-old Tristan and a seven-year-old Gabriel, and they're just amazing and fantastic. I don't think we necessarily planned on having four children when we first got married. I wanted five, and Sean wanted no. Six? <laughs> no, you didn't. Not till later. No less than two, no more than three, I think is what you told me in the first place. And then we had Gabriel, and he said, so how about six? And I was like, how about two? Yeah. <laughs> so we figured out the, that it's best just to go one at a time and mm-hmm. enjoy the blessing that's in front of us and go from there. Yes, yeah. for sure, for sure. You know, I would agree. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, it's funny. Stephanie and I were – I was just sharing the story because my, my oldest son – our oldest son just got married, I guess, two weeks ago, and um, we were sharing. Congratulations the story because, again! Yeah, thank you very much. The um, yeah, but one of the things that Stephanie got up, you know, where you you get as the parent, the father, the groom at the at the uh, rehearsal dinner, you know, you're kind of in charge of stuff, and so the last, well, you know, I had all these things I was gonna say, and then my then my wife, you know, made me cry because she was like. <laughs> We were we had been told we would never have kids. So, um, six kids later, um, I guess jokes on somebody. <laughs> but, but, um, but I, yeah, but but it's funny. I, I tell I told the story in kind of getting with you is that when we were told we wouldn't be able to have kids, we had adoption books, and I remember praying the prayer, and I said, Lord, if you just give us one, I'll take as many as you send me. So, um, I guess the number was six, but. Uh, but anyway, I, I find that interesting how things how things change and what a blessing they are. I mean, my we're we're about to be empty nesters, so we're a few years ahead of y'all. Um, our triplets are going to be seniors in high school this year, and oldest is married. Second is you know off starting her first new job, moved away and off the payroll, and then one that's going to that's going to be a sophomore at at that other university in Texas. But. Um, Anyway, so I just I, what a blessing children are, and that kind of brings us to the topic um, that we were we were going to talk about today, and and that that article that Thaddeus had sent, um, that was what's the title of? I'm looking at it right here, the future of the city is childless, childless, um, and it talks about you know about what 
about the fact that it seems to be declining, that, that families are becoming smaller, people are having fewer children. And um, I mean, I know as as one with six, and I'm sure y'all you know, with four, it seems like anytime you pass about three, um, people start looking at you funny. <laughs> yeah, what's that like in Italy? Italy same, it like same experience or, or yeah, more profound? especially overseas. We, we had to ask multiple times and multiple different ways when we first got here for the first several months, really, why is everybody staring at us like they're mad at us or something? And, and they weren't staring at us with any sort of scowl uh, purposely. They were just kind of probably in disbelief, really, at the fact that we were walking around, like going to canonization masses. We were definitely the biggest. Uh, we went to the canonization mass of Pope Paul VI, uh-huh. and we were without a doubt the biggest, and maybe, well, not the only family there, but definitely the biggest family there with only four kids. Um, and, uh, and so it started real early. We, we get these weird looks, and then finally people come up, and they're like, they're really just wanting to come up and say, uh, you know, congratulations, you know, you have a beautiful family or something. But it, it looks very weird at first where they're just like so confused. <laughs> yeah. Are those all theirs? And they would come up and is that one attached to mom's chest? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of, I mean, it is kind of, it's looking back now 18 year, you know, it's been 20. We had, we, we were told we weren't going to have any of them. We, we had, we had six and, in uh, six years, I guess. So our oldest is 24 and our youngest are 18. Um, and it's been from the beginning, um, particularly when the triplets came, that just a level of astonishment, like how do you handle it or whatever. I just can't imagine anything better. I can't imagine our marriage being any better. We became better people. Well, I know, I know Stephanie did. I, I may still have issues but. you might have some work still to do <laughs> some work to do yeah. but, but as a result of of all the children but I, th- I find it interesting and i think so hopefully we'll put it in context as we go through this as we go through this i know that um that has had some thoughts about what was written and then we can extend it to kind of a catholic view in our own experiential um because Thaddeus has got a few kids in fact one that's almost on the way so. yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i i yep. guess it stood out to me because and i wanted to maybe make it a topic for discussion because um, I thought we can't have any uh, parenthood to discuss the mystery about if we don't have children, you know, that's just a, it's a fundamental piece of the puzzle. And when we talk about the mystery of parenthood, I mean, what we're keying into is um, the sacramental, you know, the mysterion is what, sacramentum comes from the mysterion is the the greek term and sacramentum is the latin for that so we're we're tying into that sacramental life that sacramental quality of of catholicism and i and ultimately that's all pointed towards our ultimate happiness you know what which is communion in heaven with the ultimate good god um and this is a pathway yeah, so I think, I think that, right? I mean, we've always framed things this way, and McAfee, you jump in and let us know what you think, but we always framed this whole thing of mystery of parenthood as being the, the way God reveals, God has revealed himself at least as a family and as a father and with the church as a mother and we as children of God. And so the framework that we should be trying to raise our kids in is how much can we, to the best of our ability and our fallen nature, follow the what what god has revealed about himself in terms of how do we deal with our children we should try to be more like the father how do we deal with our children we should be more like the church how do we as children how we see it and as i was reading this i was thinking what are the implications of kids being seen as a burden on the way on the way a child uh, on a way if i'm a child of god am i a burden to god you know if i'm a child of god you know is love something that divides or is it something that multiplies and what i found is is that you know while i have a hard time dividing uh, (laughs) and splitting up and while it becomes very apparent that i can only get be in one place at one time i know that my love for my kids has always multiplied it's never diminished the more children we have it's not like oh well you know now it's divided by six you know um anyway it's kind of cool um 
I, just to maybe share, I, these are kind of fancy words, but um, I always like to think of the family as the microcosm of the Trinity. Right. Um, yes. You know, where they, we, we say in our creed every Sunday, you know, that, you know, this Holy Spirit was begotten, not made consubstantial with the Father. And it was made through the love, but theologically, Thomas Aquinas says it was made through the love between God the Father and God the Son, and it was spirated that way. And then the love of God, the pure love of God, generated the, you know, the begottenness of the Son. Um, so I, I think it's really cool um, to think of, you know, parenthood, you know, the commingling of two souls, being able to spirate and generate, you know, new life, you know, just as the Father and the Son have uh, with the Holy Spirit. Not to say my child, my children are definitely little Holy Spirit. I really wish they were. <laughs> but I, I like to think of it like that, kind of like the love between uh, within the Trinity creates life, well, and 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 movement and such. Well, the love between a man and a woman has the power to do that as well in children. Yeah, we talk about that very meta, that very image with our children um, quite regularly. Absolutely. So I think that is spot on. I, I would agree with you. I think it's important. I mean, God's great because he because he does provide us with lived experience inside of our family that actually can help point us properly understood, knowing that we're studying theology, but point us towards some realities like like the love I've learned as a father that the love that I, when I think about God has revealed himself as father to me and I'm a child and I think about how much I love like my daughter dropping her off that love and wanting the best for that you know it, it's one of the best for that child it, it reveals something to me about if God's revealed himself as a father and I'm a fallen man and I know how much I will want to will the best for that young lady that that helps me in my tr at least beginning to try to understand the great love of God. I mean, that God is love. And I think that that's a, I mean, I think that's, if we talk to our children that way, that's a great way to teach as they begin to understand. And, and it, it's always helped me in terms of me learning uh, about God that he's chosen to reveal himself, not as, you know, a physicist or as an engineer or whatever, but he's chosen to reveal himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And anyway, what do you think about that? Yeah, the great talking points. Going back to one of the points you made that our love for our children just multiplies, it doesn't divide. I think that's something that every first-time mother that I know since having three kids of our own has asked me about and saying, I don't want anybody to know I'm asking this or wondering this or even struggling with it, but how do you love anybody more than you love your first child? Like, how do you love them even as much? They're truly worried about it. So I think these are things that we just need to make sure we're talking about with our kids. I think a lot of parents, and they're not doing this on purpose, but they don't have those conversations about what struggles you face when you're young and as a family and, and trying to make these decisions and, and how it worked out and how that sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith and trust God with it and all the other people who have had the same experience of wondering. It's just amazing to watch it work out and, and how God is faithful in that. Yeah. We, we have the, um, the circumstance that uh, our next-door neighbors are uh, parents of only one child. And I was a single, mm -hmm. uh, an only child for most of my growing up. Um, but our children have said on a couple of occasions to us, they thank us for having their siblings. They thank us for having their siblings to play with, to spend time with, even to to look after and help, be, because they can see palpably right in front of their face what it's like for this neighbor child to be alone and, and how much she relishes in coming over to yeah. play with them and have them to spend time with. And it's, it's, it's a really right. interesting um, circumstance. And, and that's, that ties right into, to this article and, you know, maybe other article stories that we've started to hear about. Um, I think it's very prominent in Germany, for instance, of the elderly um, increasingly living out their years alone because they 
did not have they because they started this path towards having much smaller families and and there's worries about what is this epidemic of childlessness going to mean for future generations of the elderly so it it hits at a number of different parts of the um human experience oh yeah absolutely here in italy and we're not completely childless over here. A lot of people will eventually have one or two, even if they're older, but the, we're just constantly stopped, especially by elderly. So when we have visitors, I always warn them before we go out in public that, hey, we're going to be stopped by a lot of people just because they are <laughs> deprived of children. They want to have children contact with children and they yes. want to talk with them and they want to hear about the crazy things that parents are probably embarrassed that their kids want to talk about all the time as opposed to the great things in front of them that we're looking at, like the paintings and or they the get churches. A, or they get a kick out of child behavior, um, whereas we're really upset about it all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's actually a great jumping off point to, to get into something that um, Sean mentioned in some pre-show conversation, which is that you th- you think that one of the factors that the article is kind of missing is that it's not just um, wealth or materialism based, but you said it's certain life blocks needing to be checked off that hold people back from having children. Get kind of what are you getting at there? Yeah, I was kind of talking to somebody about this in an unrelated way today because they were kind of pointing out the deficiencies of the education system, you know, and how the government, you know, some, some people are proposing or requesting or advocating that the government forgive um, child loans. We were kind of talking about that, and I said, you know, it's, it's like the university is kind of like an experience now. It's less about getting an education and being prepared for a workforce. Um, it's more, it's, it's less, of, less of that and more of just you buying an experience. And so kind of with that is like the entitlement mentality, but also the... I'm sorry, I'm distracted here. But like it's okay. kind of That's... like a mixture of the entitlement mentality, but also the added ingredient of having this this cultural pressure to to kind of check specific blocks out in your life in order to be quote unquote successful. And one of those would be, you know, you, you have to be financially stable. You have to have such an amount in your savings account. You have to have an education. You have to get your loan paid off, right? You have to get that student debt paid off. You have to have this huh. life, this 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 uh, this this status, I suppose, this circumstance that can support a family. A lot of people want families. They're just convinced that it takes way more than it actually does to support that family and to be happy. Um, there's also a, a selfish component, you know, with that, um, where people would, you know, probably limit the amount of kids they have or limit the age at which they decide to have kids, um, and they would put it off in in, I guess, return in trade, a trade-off for uh, a specific type of lifestyle, you know, maybe going to the movies once a week or eating out more often and not cooking. And, Travel. And, well, yeah, I ran across. Partying with friends and traveling, yeah. And they'd rather have those experiences. So, I mean, it's complex and it varies from person to person as it does probably from culture to culture. Um, but I guess I, I'm pretty I'm pretty frustrated with that with our, our current society where it, it seems like people don't understand how easy it is to have kids um, and how, how how little it takes. It's a lot of responsibility, but I don't. I mean, I look at I look at you know in in Europe, for example, they have less kids, you know, per family in general, but they also make almost half the income everywhere we've lived. We've lived in Europe, we've lived in Asia, we've lived you know all over the United States. And I've never seen people with like as little income as I've seen compared to Americans <laughs> that are still pretty happy and supporting full full size families, mm-hmm. you know, at the age that we are. Um, so I, I think my my point was is there, there just seems to be this societal pressure to first of all get to that status in life, but then there's also the you know the the cultural milieu of you know having so many accomplishments, you know these. They're not even bucket list items. They're they're bucket kid items. They're yeah. <laughs> they're they're what they're bassinet items. You know, not a, it's not a bucket list. It's ba- bassinet list. They want to do so much before they have kids because they have this they have this I don't know this concocted idea that's definitely not true that you know kids it, are going to somehow take you away from all that fun. But 
And ex- I don't feel that way. And, and, I, and I wish the culture would shift back to one that's more accepting, you know, of, of the thrills, the real thrills that come with being a parent. And that's why we, I think it's important for us to talk about, talk about this, but one of the, you, you point us to something that we always hear is people, you know, they want to wait to have kids until they get to know one another, you know, like we got to wait so that we can discover each other. And I always right. say, you know, you're not going to discover each other until you actually nearly as well as when you have kids and have to figure out who's getting up in the middle of the night, <laughs> you're not going to learn, right. you know? Right. So I, I think it's, um, that's kind of, I think an extension or maybe, a, um, yeah, along the same line of thought. And along those same lines, you're not really going to learn how to live for the other spouse until you start having children. I mean, that was certainly my experience. I thought I was living, um, selflessly for my wife, but I mean, it, it doubled, doubled, tripled um, once we started having children. And I had to, I had to get up in the middle of the night and walk the floors. I had to change dirty diapers. I had to, you know, play and spend mm-hmm. time with the, with the children instead of maybe, I don't know, Hitting the books and blogging and writing and, you know, maybe, you know, just throwing that out there. No, I'm just giving you a hard time, dude. So I think that, I think that's a, that's a critical part of enriching the spousal relationship too. And I, I think part of it is talking. Go ahead, Jessica. Go ahead, Jessica. Jessica, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, and also your own character development. You're not going to stay the same right. person. You're going to hopefully grow. Quite a lot. Yeah, I, I just, I, like I said, I think part of it is, is encouraging people and get on, and so that people can hear that it's not that bad. Because used to, I remember when kids started coming, that people, well, how are you going to afford that, or how can you afford it? It's happening right now with kids going to college. You know, I'm at that, at that stage. And believe me, there's a little bit of like, okay, how's this going to work? But I wouldn't trade a, yeah, a minute or a penny for for any of those children and and if we have to struggle like we've struggled before it's part of the deal we just sacrifice for each other that's what we do i mean and that that's not a negative i mean that's a good thing exactly that's a funny comment i'm sorry to interrupt that's a funny comment um because it's true is that that expectation of what you're supposed to pay for as a parent you know, it's great to think that, you know, my goal is to pay for college. Right. But that that's, that shouldn't be like the total end-all, be-all of, of raising a child is, is, you know, to get them to some sort of state, the only state you really need. What does she have to say? Yeah, she, she's got some comments on this. <laughs> the only education, educational needs, you know, and the church says this in documents of Vatican II are, are really those that prerequisites that, you know, enable them to have a, a fulfilling life and a spiritual life with God. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's, Some it's a game. Friends. I'm sorry, what did you say, Jessica? Sorry, I interrupted as well. No, Some go ahead. friends have said that, that they've got five kids, and somebody would ask them, well, how, how did you decide to have so many kids? And they said, well, we already made the life change. Why would we stop it, too? The heart <laughs> over. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I just, like I said, I, I think that, there's so much that has been kind of ingrained culturally. I know here in the United States that that's kind of just the expectation. You know, how are you going to pay for the kids college or how are you going to pay for anything? Why would you have more than two kids or three? I mean, it, it, it is, it might not be quite what I sounds like maybe you're experiencing over there, but there is the, you know, you know, the every once in a while, do, don't you know how that happens? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Comment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, Anyway, but trust me, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> but, I think but, we have some street cred. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but anyway, I, I, I think part of it is, is just trying to go out in the culture and say, hey, we're actually, I can't imagine life without those kids. I can't imagine, the, I mean, the joy that I feel watching my kids growing up needs to be communicated. I'm not sitting over here as a miserable, okay, I've given up all this stuff and I'm not, you know, and I don't have enough money in retirement. And I, you know, and I, all the, I mean, that's not what I'm going through. I'm going like, Wow, 
look at these kids that somehow we didn't screw up too bad. <laughs> I mean, they're people I like to hang out with. I mean, I think that always perplexes people. I mean, I, I maybe that's what we're meant to do is just completely confound people who think that, you know, you're 2.3 children and making sure everybody's paid for. Is that, I don't know. What are your thoughts about how do we, how do we attack the culture in a way? I mean, my thought is that first got to live it. And second, you got to, talk about it some but any thoughts on that well i don't i don't know if i have all the answers yeah. um i always kind of giggle to myself is that you know we're talking about the problem is people are kind of less interested in having kids left why not have you know as many kids as possible and then send those kids out into the world loving their family right um yeah it's, it's not something i think we're going to fix over the course of the next five or ten years i think it's really a generational thing and um, I, I think that letter last year from uh, Father Benedict, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict, um, the 16th, where he kind of talks about the sexual revolution and that that effect on our society and the expectations between men and women have really been altered significantly um, to where it's changed our entire concept of, of the, the, the building stones of, of society. And so it, it's almost like we shouldn't be surprised at at the kind of problem that we're in. Um, other generations have gone through something similar, but this is pretty extraordinary and pretty unique. And I, I think it'll take a couple generations to kind of phase, phase out, I suppose. But really, you know, if, if anybody's going to survive, it's going to be the people having kids, you right. know, because, right. you know, it, the, the people that have that opinion of, of not having kids, well, <laughs> they're going to be phased out in 30 to 40 years because you know, their opinion's not going to carry forward because it's the people that have kids that are eventually going to, you know, pass on those, those values. So um, I think it's important and just as a basic, a basic tool is for, you know, Catholics to, you know, really be serious about not populating the earth with, with, you know, an enormous litter, <laughs> right. but, but at least take what you're given and have the opportunity to support and, and love and maintain and, and really bring that, you know, to something that the world can marvel at. You know, it, it's a little weird to get the weird looks over here in Europe. Sometimes it's such a large family compared to the rest of the culture, but you know, this is going to sound real arrogant, but it, it's a real win spiritually for me where I'm thinking, I don't have to go home at night and think, what am I doing to evangelize the world? I've got, four kids downstairs watching, I don't know, probably Pokemon, but they're learning <laughs> about God and they're going to you know, take those values out into the world one day. That's what I'm giving to the world as an evangelist. Right. No, I think, and, that, and that's really important. That's what we've talked about. If, if parents would just take their job seriously enough to have them do that. I, I we, we kind of came up with, with, with a, a way of raising kids and then started saying this is the way we're going to do it. And then I remember being asked to give Stephanie, I give talks back when we were at 10. I'm like, this is the jury's still out on, on this whole idea of trying to do our best to reflect God and make decisions on how do we raise kids based on how does God raised his own family and be encouraged by the fact that God, who's a perfect parent has had some pretty awful kids right. <laughs> so that we don't, cause right. lots of times, you know, if you do parenting stuff, the, one of the, one of the things that comes up is, well, tell me how to do this. And if I do this, this, and this, and my kid's going to behave right. My kid's going to do all the right things. My kid's going to, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I mean, if God, the father can yeah. give what he's given to us and still end up with some pretty messed up children, then what would make you think that you're any better as a parent? I mean, and, and so one of my, the reason I bring this up is one of my favorite things. People ask, like, what do you enjoy now? Since my kids have kind of all gone off in different directions, my greatest joy is when Christmas or Easter comes on and my six kids get back together and they begin to tell stories and make fun of each other, but it becomes apparent they actually like each other. I mean, they love each other, but they like each other. That's really, honestly, as big a joy as anything that we're doing. I can just sit there in the I can just sit there in the in the office, I mean, in the house and say nothing, just watch them interact. Um, anyway, I, I just I want to I want to that's not bragging. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's God's grace. But but it is I tell people, I, I mean, if you just again, you know, we're blessed to have had it had had as many kids and not everybody's able to have 
that many kids or even one, but, but in terms of, I, I love the fact that we had big kids. We didn't intend to have big kids. I mean, you had big, big oh, kids. Well, yeah, I'm big. I have some big kids, <laughs> many kids. So I have, I have speak, I have speak, speaking problem, but you know, it's funny that I have a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, some people they want to have small kids, other ones want to have big kids. You just don't know. I you know, just you never know. Gotta have, you got to have Thaddeus over there making sure you know you're on point. But that I'm many, sorry, many but children, I just couldn't resist. No, and I deserve it. I deserve every minute. I I resemble that remark. <laughs> anyway, um, I I've started to ramble, but I, as you're talking, I'm thinking that's my greatest joy. I mean, I could forget, you know, forget if we had a lake house or a second home or whatever, if I can just right. get my kids back in my house and, and see them interact, they like each other. I mean, they love each other, but I mean, they actually yeah. like each other. Yeah. yeah. And we, we talk to our kids sometimes about how, um, some point in time, mama and I are not, are not going to, to be on this earth anymore. And they're going to have only one another to hold on to and to, to, take care of and look after and, and, and be with. And there's, there's nothing, there's something special about the bond of, of family and the bond of siblings. And so, and they're, and that they're cultivating the kind of relationships they're going to have right now in the bosom of the family here and now. And so they got to work on living, living for one another, sacrificing for one another, um, doing good you know, acts of corporal and spiritual works of mercy for one another. Um, and hopefully my wife and I are, are modeling that um, as well, although she doesn't always do the best job at it. Ho. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm just joking. Oh, Robin, you listening? <laughs> no, I'm uh, usually the one that's falling down on the job there. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, sir, obviously it's got to come from, the parents has got to be modeled by by the parents for sure. Um, thoughts on any any other comments going on that, or we could well, gonna go in another direction with this article too. Go ahead. I just think I think. Sean, you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, yeah, I, I thought the article was. Um, I thought it was kind of a lot like the Atlantic. They they like to kind of. Um, I hope I can say this the right way. They like to take sociological issues you know, and, and kind of mix it in with the culture and, and talk about something, mm-hmm. um, maybe raise some red flags or something. And I thought, I thought maybe it was, I wouldn't say job well done, but I, I think they kind of I think they did it here. Um, the basic point of the article for the listeners, the, it, the title of the article is the future of the city is childless. And they talk about from a lot of different angles, including, you know, maybe, you know, 5% sociological data, how the, you know, cities like New York and San Francisco, you know, within a generation at the rate they're going at are only going to have about 50% of the children that they already have. Um, they're talking about how, how adults are kind of transitioning out, realizing they want transitioning into these cities, realizing they want to have children, um, putting in the work it takes for a few years and transitioning out um, and taking their families with them, not sticking around. And so with the, what I got from this article was, not more more about like the cultural, you know, overall cultural birth rate discussion, but within the big cities, these are being places of not families, you know, habitating with each other and their work life, but actually being places to kind of go and get the job skills and leave if they want to have kids. And they're only doing that for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess after having some time to think about it, I appreciate the, the basis of the article a little bit more, but it, it probably doesn't get to some of the issues that I would prefer they discuss. Um, yeah, that, that'd be me. So, I think that, um, I think he kind of skims on, if I'm guessing what you would have liked, they talk about more. He does kind of skim on some of that surface when he talks about that, um, there entertainment machines, cities are entertainment machines for the young, rich, and mostly childless. And then he later in the article says, cities are becoming, quote, an Epcot theme park for childless affluence where the rich can act like kids without having to actually see any. Um, And it's this kind of, it's, 
it, it kind of brings together the consumerist trajectory of American society that has, you know, really been going on since uh, industrialization in the mid 19th century, you could argue, um, plus the trends opened up by the sexual revolution in the 1960s um, into this this disturbing um, situation where wealth and material material goods are not really being put at the service of the next generation, but at the yeah. pleasure and um, self-serving actions of the current generation, you might, you might say. So it's, it's a it lack so of civic virtue, too. Sorry there. Say that again. I almost giggled in my chair coming yeah. off of that part of the article where he says, and I'll, I'll just read this here. He says, is there a solution to the childless city? Surely downtown areas can be made more family friendly. Mayors can be more aggressive about overcoming the NIMBY, NIMBY, NIMBYism by building affordable housing near downtown areas. The federal government can help with a hyperlink. And the trouble is that the costs are just too many for the metro to solve. And I just drew a note there pointing to it. And I said, so with the governments, I mean, this could right. be a governmental problem. But this, uh, so we're looking, the, the only solution he offers of the three is, uh, is there all have to do with local government and bigger government? Like, <laughs> Of course. It's a, to me, it's, it's, it's less of that. Like you said, it's more of a cultural thing. It's, what do we place our importance on as a society as young persons that are fertile, energetic, and in that social you know, availability in life of having, having children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has an earl, another quote, um, a little bit earlier in the article that, um, cities are about being places where workers who are sufficiently unattached to family life can pour their lives into their careers. So it's the yeah. economy and the society is structured right now to kind of drive the young urban professional into forego starting a family and pour yourself into this career, especially if it's a tech career. And, and that's, that's good for business. That's good for big business. That's exactly what big business uh, wants. You might that. So he's, he's making a, a little bit of an economic critique. He's getting a little bit of a cultural critique, but, but still not, not hitting the, the true, um, sources, I think, of what's going on. Well, think about one you think about this yeah. is like from a Catholic perspective, and and the fact that I, you know, my, one of my professors at UD, you know, always said to be Catholic is to be punchable, and that's always hit me as as we can look at the concrete like manifestation of these things and actually back into what's going on. And I drive through Dallas frequently through an old neighborhood where the houses were, you know, twenty four hundred square. Feet, which was a big house, you know, 50 years ago. Yeah. And they would have three or four or five kids in those houses. And now what's happening is they're buying those houses, wiping them, putting up a 6,000 square foot house with one child in it. And, and, and that that's happening. It's rampant across that town. You can see these small houses being wiped out for big houses, but the families are getting smaller. And I, and I think from a concrete standpoint, that kind of points to, it's more than just an economic issue. I mean, it's a way of looking at yes, children. It's a way of looking at what do I have. It's that throwaway culture that Pope Francis talks about. You know, it's a it's a it's a symptom of that. I, I think. But I think Catholics, it's good because we can look at things and say, okay, this is a manifestation of a way of looking at life. This is a manifestation yeah. of a philosophy. Yeah. And and it's not some disconnect. Yeah. It's actually connected. Yeah. And Catholics have that beautiful background of saying, as my professor said, we're punchable. There's not, <laughs> I mean, God became man. So anyway, any thoughts on that? No, um, I, I, I would, I would really agree. Um, like, like you said, and, and let me maybe just clarify, um, I'm not speaking English here, but rather than it just being you know, something that's connected and, and something that's available people are people are crossing these you know people are putting the dots together and making conscious decisions 
you know, like the Pope, like you're saying, is, is that they're, they're, this isn't just, you know, some problem that we're stumbling into. These are conscious decisions that people are making. Young people are thinking through these things. They're very smart, very calculated. Mm-hmm. But to me, it goes back to the values, is, you know, uh, and, I, and I wonder what they had, you know, in their homes that, you know, maybe they were, I don't know, wasn't emphasized enough or that they were just so displeased by, you know, maybe not having family dinners every day. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, did we lose them? Well, hey, we're, we're, uh, we may have a little bit of technical difficulty here, but um, just just springboard off what he was what he was saying for those who are listening. I mean, I, I think that it's that it's critical for for us Catholics to be um, bold, not necessarily in what we say, but in how we live. You know that that we are open to life and it's not a church saying, Hey, populate this world with a bunch of people who all believe the same things, but instead that we're, that we're asked to accept who God gives us as, as children and to receive them as gifts. And then as such, um, to raise them to understand that. Sean, you back. We're back. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going, Trey, and then no, we'll, we'll get Sean. But I'm back. just, I'm just saying that that we 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 as Catholics who are raising our kids, we need to be that sign of contradiction. Oh, you mean you can be happy and have a bunch of kids, or you can live in a smaller house and kind of be an overrun and yes. still smile? I mean, I mean that that's yes. really what we're called to do, I think, and it's not necessary. What the last thing you said is, is, is so spot on. We we have realized like going overseas has been you know a big blessing, not just you know to go see you know fancy sites and call ourselves world, world travelers, but really to get an intake about exactly what you're saying and get a sample about what what is the rest of the world doing. Yeah. And what we've realized is, I mean, we we actually w- moved into a place that uh, our last place here in Italy w- wasn't very big, but it wasn't very enjoyable, and we moved into a place that's at least you know. I don't know, 500, 500 square feet smaller. Um, we're, we're all tight. We all kind of share a bathroom, but we're, honestly, we're, we're looking at each other now. We're, we're happier here than we've ever been in a place back in Okinawa, Japan, where we lived last time. It was even smaller and we miss it. You right. Know, it, it, it's nice to have all the room and it's nice to have all the, um, you know, I, I guess privacy to have that, that, that big house on the corner, but, you know, it comes down to it, um, exactly like you're saying. Is, is that's one of the things that we can that we have actively, you know, said online is, hey, look, we, after going around, when we coming back to the, when we're coming back to the states in a couple of years, we're probably not looking forward to getting something enormous. First of all, you know, all the upkeep and whatnot <laughs> we've done right, that, right. Been there, done that. But but we we are actually so much more happy as a family, you know, seeing each other and bumping into each other and. Right. I want to say I I think that a lot of what what you guys are talking about is also reflected in a cultural phenomenon like quote unquote Marie condoing your stuff, you know, purging this what what you have that doesn't quote unquote bring you joy and holding on to what does. And all the things that she the, the parameters for that she gives for determining that, they're all spiritual. They're all, you know, transcendent um, determinants of what yeah. what bring what brings you joy from an from an artifact. So a lot of it is people live in larger spaces because of all the stuff that they've accumulated, and and none of us is uh, here stateside, especially none of us is free from that indictment. So I'm speak I'm indicting myself when I when I say that. But I think that's a major cultural aspect of um, of life here in the in the states. Yeah, that that'd be a whole other topic yes. sometimes we're drawn is that is like kind of springboarding off of the 6,000 square foot house with a, with a couple and a and one child versus you know us being crammed into with six kids when our house that we moved out of that was you know 1900 square feet there was no way to escape each other I mean, <laughs> I mean but and but you found it was you had to interact yeah. and and that ended up being a joyful time where a lot of people are like, how the heck do y'all do that? You know, they actually share bedrooms and, you know, sleep in bunk beds. And mm-hmm. yeah, they do. And we kind of all get along. I mean, it doesn't mean that there's not a your once in a while argument, but, but that's part of life too, right? And, you know, parents are, p- parents are espousing that example 
you know, year to year, whenever we come around on birthdays and Christmas and we're, you know, a lot of people are feeling pressured to get their kids something better than the last year. Right. You know, to where by the time they're, to by the time they're you know, between six and 10 years old, they have iPads <laughs> right, exactly. or phones or something. Yes. This is, I mean, people might be like dropping their jaws thinking, no, that can't be, it's really a thing. You know, parents, you know, whether it's a guilt buy or something, they feel like they have to outdo themselves or meet their child's expectations. And what, you know, obviously what they're doing over the course of so many years, they're training their child's brain to think, you know, hey, what what's important? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, know, I know we're... It goes back to the big house. Do you want the big, big, big iPad or can you can you be happy with, you know, a few board games and maybe one nice thing that your brothers and sisters share? Right. 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 Well, so I know we're Is drawn to. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go no, ahead. Go ahead, Jessica. Jessica. We just don't make family time as much of a priority in, in the last couple generations. It used mm-hmm. to be that everybody had to get together to make a meal because it was laborious. You yep. had to make yes. everything. You couldn't just go to the store and get things ready-made. Yep. Uh, canning season, it's all hands-on deck because that's a lot of work. And yep. you're in each other's faces. Like, food is a meal and it's a just the whole thing. It's That's great. how I get so much done in the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. Right. And of course, like this doesn't stop everything, but we're not having the family time that used to be worked into everyday life. It wasn't that they weren't as busy as us. Maybe they were even more busy because they didn't have all the conveniences we did. Right. But the busyness that we have is solo activity. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah. who's doing homework? Go get your homework done. Who's yeah. doing this? And a lot of times it's not only so low, but it's so less. Yeah. Well, hey, I I know we're we're kind of bumping up against this. Thank y'all so much for um for being on board with us. I think I think that it's um I think it's important, and we'd love to have you back on to continue this conversation. I'm sorry it kind of goes so fast, but um it we. Does. Yeah, it goes really fast. So um, I, we didn't get through Did everything. Talk about the article at all? <laughs> <I know. laughs> we talked about the important stuff, I think. So challenge all you guys. Remember, uh, first off, we're going to do let the children come. So everybody go read uh, Mark um, ten uh, fourteen. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For such belongs to the first two such belongs to the kingdom of God. That would be a good one. Remember, pray, pair with a purpose. And prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless y'all. Bye.